the process or the organizational layer, the mindset layer that is underneath the technological developments. I think that is something that needs and deserves much more attention so that developments are not so much pushed by what is technologically possible and then uh, we'll find a purpose for it. Especially if we look around now with what is going on in the world, of course, the, the COVID climate, uh, we have so many social uh, segregations, There's just so many topics, that, uh, very important topics that we need to solve that I think those should be the starting point. And from there, look at how we solve that and what type of technology or data can, um, can help us. Hi, Smart Community friends. In this episode of the Smart Community Podcast, I have a really great chat with Saskia Beer. Saskia is an Amsterdam-based entrepreneur and founder and director of Transform City, who helps cities and real estate companies around the world with their urban processes. Saskia tells us about her background as an architect and her transition into the urban development space after losing her job during the financial crisis. She tells us about her passion for cities and fascination of how cities work together, what a smart community is to her, and we discuss the importance of diversity in smart communities to solve issues. Saskia then tells us how she came to work in this space and how her current work links with smart communities. We also talk about the importance of a collectivity in communities and the need to be adaptable. Saskia then shares with us some of the projects she has been working on, split up between her consultancy work and creating her online course before telling us about her online tool that helps build and optimize urban strategies. We finish our conversation discussing the emerging trends of a more holistic approach to problem solving in communities. As always, we hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Welcome to the smart community, smart regions, smart towns, and smart cities. It's where we live, work, and play with smart communities. The future starts today. Big data, smart mobility, emerging trends galore. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for. Hello, Saskia. How are you today? Hello, I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? I am doing very well. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. So let's just jump straight in. And can you tell us about your background and what you are passionate about? Yeah, sure. I, uh, well, my professional background is architect. I uh, was trained as an architect, but uh, pretty soon after my graduation, the financial crisis hit and I lost my job. And at the same time, I was fascinated by a lot of urban challenges that were still there. So I have changed my direction a bit towards urban development, specifically urban transformation. So the, the transformation of existing areas. And I've been doing that ever since, uh, first more as a bottom-up initiative, then later more and more as a, uh, as, as a business, um, product development and consultancy. And well, I mean, I, I am passionate about cities. <laughs> That's the, I also live in a city. I live in Amsterdam and I am fascinated by, by how they work as an, as an organism, I would say, with, uh, with all these different people and places and, and topics and activities going on. I think, uh, it, it has enough to be a lifelong, uh, passion for me. Yeah, I agree. I think there's so much in, you know, cities and communities that, yeah. 
It's definitely enough for one lifetime and probably several, right? Yeah, probably more than uh, one lifetime, but uh, then. Uh... <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. Um, let's jump to the broad question of what is a smart community to you? Yeah, well, um, to me, a smart community is a local community, a diverse one, so consisting of many different stakeholders, not uh, not only citizens, which sometimes can be, a, well, a bit of a misconception that a community is like always citizens uh, uh, based. But um, the most important thing for me is that uh, a smart community is equipped and organized to solve local issues. So uh, it's not only about meeting up and uh, singing kubaya <laughs> around the campfire and being together, but about really tackling different important issues that are taking place in that uh, in that area. This equipment can be very broad I and mean, it can be technology, but it can be many different things. So it, it, it's not necessarily about smart in the sense of technology driven uh, for me, but I think the, the actionability is part of the smartness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about community there. So we talked about, so we've got the citizens, which is what a lot of people think about when we talk about community and myself included. What? Who else is in that community that we need to consider? Yeah, I think if I look at a smart community from my own perspective, it's, uh, well, as I said, it's multi-stakeholder. You have uh, citizens, you have businesses, uh, whether they're small local entrepreneurs or big corporates that are you know, maybe one thing to to say is that because I'm in, in the urban development field, a, low, um, a smart community for me is very locally defined or geographically defined. It is very much about an area or a district or, or a large neighborhood, perhaps. So within that neighborhood, you have different stakeholders like uh, businesses or, or companies that are located there. Of course, the real estate owners. Sometimes you have developers if there's like big change going on in the area. And of course, you have the government and, and all kinds of, of local organizations or official institutions, utility companies, you know, basically anything you can think of in an area, I, I believe, in order to, to really like, you know, actively, but also sustainably tackle local issues and challenges, you, you really have need to have everybody around the table and, and, and somehow being a part of that, of that smart community. Mm. Yeah, no, that's so true. Because because when we're trying to solve some of these issues, like you said, it's it's not just about coming together necessarily. That's obviously an important part of it. But then, well, what are we doing about this? What are the actions? And a lot of those actions will require a local business or a big business or a utility or a government or whatever to either be a stakeholder or even be a driver or a funder or whatever in in the whole process, right? And that's where real change really happens. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing is when you go to real, like, local multi-stakeholder uh, communities is that they have, usually they have more in common than they think uh, initially, and they have a lot of mutual dependencies. So when you really bring them together in a more structural way, so it's not a one-off event, but it really, you know, grows into a community, then it's really interesting what these parties can do together, how they can, how you can or how they themselves can find all kinds of matches uh, and cross links, let's say. So I, I think the more that happens, the the smarter it gets, I would say. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. So tell us how what you like your background and what you're passionate about, how that then links into this smart community space. 
Well, when I, as I, as I mentioned, I lost my job in the financial crisis when I uh, just started out as an architect. And I, well, basically at the employment agency, they told me I was a hopeless case. You know, it was really impossible to employ me anywhere. There was nothing going on. <laughs> so the only way for me was to find some kind of new new challenge or new experiment to um, to commit to. And I saw that in the Netherlands, there were a lot of, and I think not only in the Netherlands, but I mean, that's where I observed them. There were a lot of existing urban areas, a lot of brownfields like or old office districts that were facing a lot of problems, vacancy, deterioration, you know, lack of social cohesion, we had lots of problems. And somehow the local government did not seem, you know, capable somehow to organize the development or the transformation of these areas effectively because they were so used to top-down uh, processes, uh, greenfield developments or, you know, making a master plan, a tender and controlling the process from there. And now, basically, all these areas, they were lying like a beetle on its back and they, they, they couldn't do anything. So I decided to adopt the area as a free agent, basically, and um, uh, starting from the bottom up. And then my idea was, and that's the I think the first seed of the smart community in my uh, my own uh, hat because as an architect I was not necessarily a community uh, professional um, quite on the contrary I guess but my idea was that in an existing area there are so many people and organizations who have something at stake they have something to win and to lose there I thought okay if I manage to somehow bring these people and organizations together and somehow make visible what their common interests are and, and what we can do together, it should be possible to organize your own support base and your own job, you know, around a very local uh, challenge. So that's how I started. And that actually evolved into a very strong community or, or local collective over the years. And with the years, I also got more fascinated by it. And I, I actually started to believe more and more and yeah, be convinced more and more that Actually, this community was the basis of what we could or could not do in the area. Whereas, to be honest, in the beginning, I was still convinced that it was my design who, <laughs> you know, that would, the, the quality of the design proposals that would define its success. And then later I thought, no, it's not, it's, it's not even about my design proposals. It's about organizing this collectivity. And then the design proposals will come from there. Maybe not even made by me, but by the community itself or. So that's, I think, over the years, I really, really started to see the power and also see that in other areas where I really could pinpoint like, yeah, there is no, there's no collectivity in this area. You, you will not get it off the ground, not as a government, not as a, um, as, as a big real estate owner, for example. You have to make these connections like structurally. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's so important when we are talking about, I guess, development and the urban form and how it affects communities and that things will change everything's not going to stay exactly the same forever so how do we then make sure that the people with the most at stake like you said and you know well with anything at stake to start with but then the people within the community maybe they're already living in the development or whatever how do we make sure they're along the journey so then they're not getting pushed out or, or whatever the case may be that's so key and is a maker a maker or a breaker of a project, essentially, right? Definitely. I think that is interesting what you say uh, about bringing the existing, well, inhabitants or everyday users of an area 
around the table as well so that they have a voice and they are not automatically being pushed out by new developments, but they are actually part of the local uh, community. I think there's also an interesting opportunity there if you look at like urban transformation areas because this transformation uh, per definition needs to go, you know, very step-by-step. It's a very incremental process. Uh, You don't go like instantly from one state of being to the other, but there's a whole like a trajectory in between where especially in the beginning, those existing maybe office uh, employees or, or inhabitants, they are actually, they are very important. They were very important stakeholders in my process, at least in, um, especially in the beginning. But by the time that bigger developments take place, they have already like taken root. They have, you know, built their position uh, already. So it's interesting to see how, how this evolves, but how they have a voice at the table. Um, I, I, yeah, absolutely. And I think like it's important there because I think sometimes that can get lost because it's like, oh, well, this is a new thing. But in communities, yeah, there may be some new things, but it's like, yeah, how do we celebrate and marry that out together as well? Because, you know, there's no point in just, you know, shifting, I guess, like, or thinking that we can just, you know, oh, well, we'll create this new community here and then it'll have all the ideals, da 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 There's so many things that uh, affect that community as well and Urban Form is part of that. Yeah, definitely. And of course, it can change over time, you know, maybe in, in one part of the the process of the journey, maybe it's more about, you know, the everyday quality. And sometimes it's more about envisioning the future, you know, bigger developments are being a part of the community and a part of what's at the table. And maybe later that, you know, that slows down again, also depending on how the economy is, is developing, of course. But there's like in the consistency of the community and like the the structural quality of meeting up and talking about all these different things and all these different changes that are taking place. Uh, I, I think there's um, there's an important power and also an important like organizational resilience for your city as well. Make sure that everybody stays on board, even though the topics on the agenda may, may change. Mm-hmm. So tell us about some of the projects and things that you've been working on recently. Yeah, recently my work has shifted a little bit from you know, like doing big projects myself. Uh, and in the beginning, I, I really started with, well, I mean, I started with a, a bottom-up initiative that took up all my time. Then I developed an online platform, an online, well, you could say a smart community platform specified for, um, uh, for urban transformation challenges. That has been um, taken a, a few years of a few years of my life. It sounds very negative, but uh, I've been like busy with that for quite a while. And since a few years, I am spending half of my time uh, as a consultant, helping other public and private clients with their complex transformation um, challenges. And the half, other half of the time, I am uh, documenting my methodology and turning this into an online course. So I'm uh, I'm finalizing uh, scripts of the last uh, the last module now. So the upcoming months I am launching these modules so that uh, that other cities can profit from my 12 and a half years of pioneering in the in the mud. <laughs> yeah, wow. Sounds like you're very busy and doing lots of things or you know bringing it back to that smart community space and building new communities and transformation and that type of thing. So with your online platform, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. Well, at one point, 
in the, the transformation process in, well, let's call it my field lab in southeast of Amsterdam, the area that I adopted and that I started building a local collective. At one point, I really felt that there was, I mean, there was so much going on. The network was growing. There was more and more content on the agenda, more data being exchanged, more initiatives being developed. But by organizing all these things, whether you organize it as a local government from the top down or as an, a free agent uh, from the bottom up, I realized it was still pretty centralized as a network structure. So I organized all the events and I observed a bit of a consumptive attitude in the community. So people reached out to me and they asked me, can you share this specific data set with me? Or can you inform me a little bit about this? Or can you bring me in contact with that other stakeholder? And I was in the middle, like an old-fashioned central telephone centralist. And I really felt like, okay, this is this is actually the opposite of resilient. Uh, I, I need to make sure that I facilitate the self-organization and I really lay, you know, power in the community itself and, and not with me as a kind of central spider in the web. Uh, besides, I, I found out that there was just a yeah, lack of, as a consequence, of course, of that consumptive attitude, there was a lack of ownership and people were still kind of relying a little bit on me to push for the change and to do the, the hard work. And at the same time, I felt, okay, if they are still dependent on me to send them this information, there is also, you know, we should do better there and we can use digital tooling to make sure that there is like a transparent overview of what is going on in the area and allow all these different stakeholders, public, private, civic, academic, perhaps to directly reach each other, get in touch with each other, exchange data, plans, um, ideas, but also build collaborations, you know, bring together resources and, and realize real projects. So that actually... In a way, a, a digital layer, a supporting layer underneath the organizational that I was building. Back then, I, you know, I started looking online and I saw specific uh, solutions available. Like there were crowdfunding platforms, there were like very beautifully visualized data uh, uh, platforms or, or smart GIS uh, tooling, geo information um, tooling, but. I was looking for something that was very integral and that had a lot of functionalities, a little bit like a, like a Swiss army knife, but was like compact and focused on that one local community so that they could get together in one place. And because we couldn't find it on the market, we developed it ourselves. And then, I mean, it was received very well. So we, it won awards, it, it, we gained traction um, worldwide, actually. I've been to Australia uh, to talk with a few cities who were interested, but we did find out that the whole like the whole process and i think that's important when you talk about uh, smart tooling smart especially when you talk about like digital tooling and technology that you really have to keep in mind that the organizational basis needs to be there as well if you, if you only put tooling uh, online and expect somehow a local community to self-organize and and unlock all kinds of uh, uh, local investments and initiatives uh, then you know you're you're being naive i think it's um yeah, you, you need to make sure that you organize your local challenges as a community or as a, a community platform kind of organization, you know, an open way where everybody can bring topics on the agenda and, and, and discuss them. And then you can use tooling to support that. And, and I think in retrospect, maybe I was a little bit too early because uh, people were still and cities were still looking for uh, the whole process, how to organize a process, a, a, a collective process 
for their urban transformation. And, and then they saw my tooling and, and thought, oh, wow, that will automate that process for us. That will be, uh, that will be great. And then you know, they found out that they actually had to do quite a bit of organizational work as well. So it, uh, it turned out not to be that easy to, uh, to scale. Mm. Yeah, no, thanks so much for sharing that because I think it's really important because it's such a like a prevalent point and also something that's like, you know, an analogy for smart communities in general, right? It's not this technology thing that we can just like, oh, we plug in to this community. Now you're smart. Woo. <laughs> now <It's> you're like, <laughs> yeah, like it's like you need the people and the organization and the the levers to pull and the budgets available and the resources available and all these type of things the mindset so important that we can actually do something that's different because if we don't have that then the same old stuff will happen no matter what tool you have available or what technology you have available for it to be used as a tool you need to know what function it needs to perform right like if you're needing right now to hammer in a nail you, yeah, you obviously need a hammer but other things will be will be different and i think that's with the community as well it's like well actually you need to work out well what do we need to hammer in nails do we need to you know do we need to hang pictures on the wall do we actually need to build a new house do we like what things do we actually need to do because then we can use the tool to help us do that Sometimes it, the tool can be very simple and analog, and sometimes you may need something that's more advanced or more like technologically complex. But um, yeah, I totally agree with what you say. You need to first think about what you want to achieve. Uh, yeah, I think that's thing that's still a challenge. I think if I look around, but uh, I can imagine you. I mean, the fact that you mention it already tells me that you observe. <laughs> a bit of challenge there as well um yes and something we you know i've had uh some great conversations today actually i've recorded a few podcasts today and and yeah we've kind of talked about how things have changed since we started first started talking about this and i think we are starting to talk more about well it's the problem that we're trying to solve it's not a new platform or a new whatever the whole smart city and smart community concept is actually about well can we do different things to solve these problems that we haven't actually been able to solve very well in the past, but now we have new tools available, new ways of thinking, that mindset that you were talking about as well. Can we shift that a little bit? And I think even with new technology, that's, that's great, but new technology came from new ways of thinking, right? It didn't just like magically come out of the air. And I think that's where we actually need to use the process of how we develop that new technology as well as the technology in itself. Uh, to be able to then shift and change things in cities and communities and, and, and regions. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Okay, well, let's zoom to the future now. And what are the emerging trends that people aren't talking about enough? Well, to be honest, I, I think this is pretty much related to what we were just talking about. I must say that I am not sure if I am the one to now point out new like technological trends that people are not yet talking about, but should be talking about. But I think that it is actually this, the more like the process or the organizational layer, the mindset layer that is, well, maybe underneath the technological developments. I think that that is something that needs and deserves 
much more attention if we talk about technological developments. And this so that it's really not, our developments are not so much pushed by what is technologically possible and then uh, we'll find a purpose for it. But we really, I mean, especially if we look around now with what is going on in the world, you know, with, of course, the, the COVID climate, uh, we have so many social uh, segregations, there's so many, so many topics, that, uh, very important topics that we need to solve that I think, you know, those should be the starting point. And from there, look at how we solve that and what type of technology or data can, um, can help us. But I think that shift is for me the most fundamental and the most important one that we should be talking about if we talk about smart city trends or, or technology development trends. I totally agree. I think we can't separate out technology and what we call society or culture or whatever. Like the things we're seeing are impacted by and potentially even you know accelerated or caused or have some kind of relationship with technology, right? And the availability of technology, the way things are shifted and changes, the way we view things, we absorb things, we consume things, we do whatever, all of this stuff is interrelated and we can't separate it out. It's not, oh, well, okay, we talk about, you know, technology to solve problems, but all those societal issues, we won't talk about those. They have to be in, they have to be related. And I think that really shows the level of connectedness in a human and a physical and, and you know digital sense or whatever, but just this interconnectedness that we all have around the world, which obviously the pandemic has highlighted too, but it was it was there before. We just didn't, it was invisible, right? We didn't see it. We didn't see that our supply chains could be cut off. We didn't appreciate uh, that things happening here would affect us there. And I think that moving forward, it's, that layer that you're talking about, which is that organizational layer, the mindset layer, that will become more and more important as we do start to implement more and more technology. I say that as if we haven't already, but there's so much technology that runs our lives day to day, right? And we can't necessarily get away from it. Even when you're disconnecting from it, it's a privilege to be able to do that uh, as well, right? Um, you know, I did a digital detox recently, and it was such a privilege to be able to do that because that's not necessarily available to everybody because of the things that you know how it runs our lives it improves our quality of life in some aspects it may detract and you talking about that trend there really i think highlights the importance of those things and how they fit into this space and aren't separate which is thanks for bringing those things up to the conversation as well because i think it's important yeah 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 yeah. and it's i mean it's a different maybe a different type of complexity that we need to acknowledge and address Maybe not so much like the rocket science of very um, technology, but a much like, you know, yeah, broader interconnected way of addressing complexity and then looking at how technology can, can help to, uh, to tackle this. Yeah. A small issue you were saying. <laughs> no, love it. Love it. Well, it's been so great to chat with you. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I feel like we could talk for a long time and I look forward to meeting you in Amsterdam as well because that's one of my favourite places to go. Now, one last question. How can people connect with you? Well, there are a few ways. Uh, of course, you can always reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find my name, Saskia Beer, and, um, and just connect. You can find me through my website www.transformcity.com 
and also uh, info at transformcity.com uh, for the email. So there are several ways. That's the only um, social medium for now. So that's uh, LinkedIn is the only. Yes, we'll put the link in the show notes and people can click away and find you. Um, I'm sure they're keen to have some more conversations with you. And yeah, I mean, we met on LinkedIn, so that's why I normally recommend where people first start and uh, yeah, check out what's been going on. So yeah, thanks so much again for coming onto the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to our next conversation. Me too. Thanks a lot. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. The Smart Community Podcast is brought to you by My Smart Community. If you're trying to deal with disruption, not sure what technologies to buy, need to facilitate genuine collaboration, then we can help. Email hello at mysmart.community or head to www.mysmart.community forward slash consulting. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart Community Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes are available on our website, mysmart.community slash podcast. If you have any questions for us or any of our guests, you can email hello at mysmart.community. You can also find us on the socials. We are on LinkedIn and Twitter at smartcomhq. That's com with two M's. If you are enjoying the podcast, please hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we would love for you to leave us a rating and review at wherever you listen. This really helps us reach more ears and eyes. So thank you for your support. As always, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Community podcast is what you're looking for.